Today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast contains explicit language that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. Just about halfway through another month of this wonderful year we are having in 2020. Uh, it's hard to believe how quick time flies sometimes. And I feel like we just started June. We just started July. And here we are. We'll be in August before you know it. Uh, apparently, we're going to have some sports being played. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I will also believe it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to go the entire length of the time they've said they're going to play. It seems like every time you turn around, someone else tests for something or NBA players or uh, not cooperating with the whole bubble concept, uh, going out, getting food, trying to contact girl, all kinds of different things going on. So a lot of moving parts in uh, sports in general, but especially during co- uh, quarantine, coronavirus 19, the year 2020 that we are living in. It's just, it's insane. So I was always looking forward to having sports back. And now that we're kind of on the verge of having it, uh, I don't know how to feel. I really don't. I'll probably tune in a little bit, but I don't know. In general, it's going to seem kind of like just this, uh, the circus. And I I don't know if uh, how much I'm going to enjoy, but maybe I will. Who knows? Uh, Baseball starts up in one week, basically a week from Thursday, I believe Uh, the NBA. uh, We'll see what happens there. Hockey on August 1st. Uh, apparently all these things are going to happen. And again, if, if everything goes according to plan, we could have a pretty busy sports calendar uh, coming up here at the end of summer and the beginning of the fall college football, really not sure what's going to happen there. Uh, It seems like there's an attack on that. The NFL, it's kind of just going about its business. They canceled a few preseason games. Uh, But as we get closer to football season, I I don't know. We'll see if it gets pushed back. Uh, It seems like professional sports are going to, try to do what they can to play college sports. Uh, I wouldn't hold your breath on that. I would, I really wouldn't, uh, even though I thought they would do anything to play college football and maybe they still will. I don't know. We'll see, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about more of that stuff later. It's Wednesday. And of course that means Bill Barnes is here with us on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in looking forward to chatting with him. Uh, always fun time to sit down and have a conversation with Bill. Sometimes it seems repetitive, but other times we come up with some new stuff here and there. I do know this, that we've kind of flipped our opinions on a lot of different topics over these past few months. Uh, for example, thinking that you know they, they, will, they will play football regardless uh, of what they have to do. Uh, something I said a few months ago, and now as we're getting closer to it, I'm not so sure anymore. So the, the, that's just how the world operates sometimes. This lockdown, this pandemic, this virus, uh, it seems to be really driving us all uh, crazy one way or another. And I'm not totally sure 
uh, you know, <laughs> where you guys stand or where other people stand. I'm just kind of like, I I'm over it. I, I want, I don't want anyone harmed. I don't want any deaths or sickness and this and that, but it's like, man, at some point, don't we, we got to, we got to go about our lives, don't we? And, and those who are most at risk probably need to be a little more careful. I don't know. I'm not trying to sound uh, cold hearted or anything or not be serious about what is going on, but man, it's, it's been a few months now and not a whole lot of changes. It started to look a little good and then, oh, never mind. You know, so here in California, there's a, a lot of uh, back and forth going on as always. So, uh, me and Bill are going to get into all that today. Trust me. Don't you worry about it. Big thank you to uh, Shalimar Jackson for coming on the show yesterday and for Trevor Lynn starting it off on Monday for us. A couple of great guys there. It was fun chatting with them. And I know Bill is always critical of this, but we only have one real Hondo prep guest on this week. Only one, Bill. So uh, that's my little shot at him. Although he uh, had some kind words last week to talk about the the good people of Real Hondo Prep and how he is the uh, the odd man that comes on the show every Wednesday. But that's that's Bill Barnes. Looking forward to chatting with him. Uh, I have a few thoughts this morning on a couple different things. Uh, first off, I, I saw the uh, very well-educated and uh, – uh, what do, how do I refer to her? New York representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a representative in the – city of New York on the uh, Congress. And she made mention recently, I, I, I don't even want to talk about her, but she said something that really angered me. And she started basically talking about why there has been so much crime in New York City. And keep in mind, this is someone who is very big uh, on defunding the police. It's just very, she wants that to happen. She, I think she hates America deep down in her soul. Uh, she's trying to do the things that she believes in, but, uh, anyway, th those are my thoughts with her. She, uh, sounds like a moron anytime she speaks, but I, I will say this, uh, she said recently about the, uh, the crime and the violence and everything that's going on in, uh, New York city right now. And, and she's blaming it basically on unemployment, on the fact that people are not working and that, uh, you know, it's basically, it's a level of economic desperation in people. And, and I got to be the first to tell you, I'm someone that has been on unemployment the past few months. And a lot of people, not me, but a lot of people have actually made more money on unemployment than they do when their regular work, their regular job. Uh, all this looting and burning and stealing of things I've seen uh, in New York, which is an absolute disaster. Uh I haven't seen many loaves of bread being stolen. She said uh, perhaps people are, are stealing bread because they will be hungry at night. And <laughs> I can't help but laugh because I don't see a whole lot of bread, loaves of bread being stolen from a lot of these places that are being uh, looted and, and different stores and windows broken and everything. Um I think the, the direct quote she says, so they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry. Well, uh, Miss Cortez, Ocasio, Alphabet, whatever you're Ocasio-Cortez, uh, you know, you're all over the place. Just when I think I've heard it all from you, you say something like that. Uh, it has nothing to do, of course, with the defunding of police that you so eloquently preach every day. The police that 
uh, keep law and order. No, uh, you don't need them. Your city doesn't need them. You just want it burned to the ground. And it's only because people are unemployed and, and going hungry. So you, you, these, again, these could be magical comfort words and phrases that you like to say and use, but you know what? You're completely off base. You're not looking at the real issues. Uh, that city, New York city, their leadership has completely alienated the police. They have, uh, New York city has had massive, retirement resignations from the police force. Uh, there is uh, a crime spike, of course, with the hundred with, excuse me, $1 billion cut uh, budget cuts from the NYPD. And uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens here in the near future. Maybe there'll be uh, more bread being stolen. I don't know. I just hope no one, uh, no one gets hurt out there because it's uh, it's, it's just very unfortunate when you see this stuff. And then you hear excuses made for it. And that's what really ticks me off uh, when you see stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't want to misspeak here. You know, the whole $1 billion budget cuts, uh, that hasn't effectively taken effect yet. But those are some uh, propositions by some of the leadership in New York City. And as bad as California is, man, New York City, what a mess that place is. Uh, it's a much smaller island. It's a small island, right? So uh, everything's more compact. Here in California, we're at least spread out. Um, but man alive. Yeah. Ocasio-Cortez, uh, once again, uh, speaking and, and representing uh, her party and her state and uh, all the above <laughs> representing that very much so. So way to go. Way to look at the bigger issue there. Uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, anyway, another top random thought I have is with social media and the media in general, I think they are constantly looking for people to mess up. They're looking for people to make a mistake and jump all over it. And that's kind of what it's all turned into. I'll give you an example. Um, our roommates have a little dog, a little pug named Jerome. Great dog. Great guy. He's not, he's not even a year old yet. He's uh, six months or so. Uh, I've never had a dog in my life. Never. Um, so it's been cool to, for him to be around. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because, uh, no matter what time of day it is, if he's out, if he sees you with food, that guy will follow you. He will go, he will run to your feet. He'll jump up on the table, try to jump up on the table. Uh, and he will just sit there and watch and watch you eat food and give you the look of, Hey, I want some, I want some. Right. But what he's doing is every single time he's waiting for you to make a mistake. He's waiting for you to accidentally drop some food on the floor or, um, you know, to go to throw something away and, oh, you missed the trash can, whatever it is, but it, it, it never fails. He'll be sitting there tired, whatever he sees you with food, he'll run over there and he'll sit and he'll watch you. And I feel like that's how social media is these days, especially uh, the, uh, the, the, the big media, I don't know what to, what to call them, the, yeah, the media themselves, uh, they are just looking and, and hoping and praying that somebody makes a mistake. Somebody drops a crumb and then they're like, aha, I knew it. And that's kind of the, the world we're in these days. And it's unfortunate. I, I just, I, I, there's better thing. There's better things going on. There's, there's, there's other things to do than to sit there watching somebody eat and hoping that they uh, make a mistake and drop a crumb. Uh, you know what? Cause uh, I know I got better things to do and, and little Jerome, he sits there and uh, you know, in the course of uh, a year or six months, it's been, what is that? Uh, two, he's probably sat there through over a hundred meals and he watches and just, hopes and prays that you drop something. It doesn't happen very often, but every now and then, every now and then some food drops and he, he scoops it up and uh, it's, it's that motivation. 
uh, he's a simple creature. He's a simple uh, animal, a great dog, but he sits there and he just waits for you to make a mistake. And most of the time there isn't one made, but that's how the media and social media is that aha, aha moment that uh, mainstream media, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, and social media that they uh, do every single day. And it's just an absolute uh, joke these days with how everyone is just, they just want controversy. They just want there to be problems. Uh, as soon as a coronavirus uh, spike and more cases go up, aha, see, I told you. It's like, oh, well, the death rate, we're not going to talk about that. We don't talk, that's that's uh, that's not important. Uh, that's declining, but the, but the rise, the spike is going up. Aha, I told you guys, if you guys opened up, this would happen. This is uh, why we have to stay buried in our homes forever, except us, because our, our jobs are important. We're, we're supposed to uh, lie to you and, uh, you know, scare you and do all these things. It's, it's, it's a bunch of nonsense. And that's not social media, of course, but that's uh, uh, the uh, news media out there. And, you know, social media, I just, I'm getting so, so tired of it. I see, I see so many good things on there too. I'm not going to say it's all bad. But man, when you when you put a keyboard in front of some people, they just absolutely uh, go off. They are they are warriors. They're brave. They're brave souls for posting and uh, saying some of these things on social media that are so important that people like me need to understand more and appreciate and open my eyes. Well, I have opened my eyes to many different things. Uh, it's time to get this country going again. Uh, that's I, I speak uh, again. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm some scientist or anything, but man alive. Uh, uh, what are we? How how often are we going to do this thing? We're just going to continue to let it all uh, evaporate uh, for us all to be in our rooms with the doors closed. And is that is that how the rest of the world's going to go? I, I I don't know, man. It's it's a crazy time. Bill Barnes is coming up here, and and I talked with him off the air about man. This is like the twilight zone. If you had made uh, 2020, the past couple months, if you had made what's going on now into with Roger Fleming and and all those. Uh, excuse me, Roger Fleming, <laughs> Rod Sterling did it again. Sorry, Todd Carson, making fun of me for my uh, slip ups. Uh, <laughs> Rod Sterling uh, back in the uh, uh, tw- whatever that was where they were doing the the Twilight Zone. I mean, you it would have been a, one of those standard episodes. You could have been like, oh yeah, oh, this is oh, it's a great episode with some of the uh, Twilight Zones that have gone on. So anyway, here we are, 2020. It is what it is. It's unfortunate, uh, and all we can do is shake our head and and try to get through the next day. Well, let's get to Bill Barnes. I've rambled enough. I do want to say in all seriousness that Bill Barnes uh, experienced something over the weekend that we are going to talk about right away with him. But I do want to say that uh, I am extremely uh, proud of him as a person, as a former law enforcement officer, um, Bill assisted. He won't, he won't say this. He's, he's very humble about the whole situation, but Bill assisted in saving someone's life over the weekend. So I definitely want you guys to hear this. I'm excited about the whole interview as always, but, uh, Bill was just driving by and he saw something that, uh, he felt the need to jump in and help and assist in. And I, I do want to, uh, let you all know that as you will hear here shortly, but I do want you guys to know that uh, I'm proud of Bill. Uh, very heroic, simple action that uh, didn't require any heavy lifting or anything, but he uh, he uh, he was there for a citizen, a fellow citizen, somebody that he did not know. And I think it speaks volumes of, of people like him who are retired and uh, also current law enforcement, uh, that uh, this is just one example of why we need people like him uh, who have worn the badge and uh, who have the outlook 
that that he does. So <laughs> always appreciate his thoughts. And we're going to get into it with him right here in a second. But we're going to take a quick break first, and then we'll get right back to it with the interview with the one and only Bill Barnes. It's the middle of the week. It's Wednesday. That means it's time for Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. The retired police officer and retired college baseball umpire joins us every single Wednesday for strong opinions and very random thoughts. Once again, here is the one and only Bill Barnes. Well, we're back for another edition of the Weekly Wednesday Weigh-In with the one and only Bill Barnes. And once again, we are here at his lovely compound, lovely establishment. Appreciate the uh, the, uh, the gracious uh, host uh, that you are, Bill. Thank you for having me back in your uh, lovely home here. Well, I know you like getting out of your house and you need every <laughs> excuse you can. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, I'm available to... Uh, How's this elaborate broadcast? It took about <laughs> three hours to set up of all the equipment. We had, you know, we just sent the roadies home. And, um, you know, it, it looks like, like I say, it looks like, uh, you know, Sony Studios in here with all the elaborate hookups. So I'm, I'm eager to get going and, and, and make it work. Oh, man, I'm glad. I'm really glad. And, uh, uh, Bill, you know, I'd ask you how you're doing, how your weekend was. But uh, I think me and a lot of your Facebook followers – got to see firsthand how your weekend went. You had a little bit of excitement or lack thereof, which was a good thing. But uh, tell me about an experience you had over the weekend. <laughs> well, yesterday, um, a very, very, just an easy going Sunday. I got up, I decided I'd go drive over to Riverside to see my granddaughter. And, you know, I, I first of all, I want to say this, I, I'm kind of upset. I'm, I'm, I think all of us in the umpiring world, um, I, I didn't, I never worked with the guy. I never saw him work, but I did know him as a bartender. Jason Moore passed. Mm. And uh, I don't know, re- don't know re- the reason why. And I was having a discussion with uh, Ramon Armanderas Rambo about this. And um, so we talked a little bit and I, 15 minutes later, I left my house and lo and behold, I'm driving. If you're familiar with Riverside, um, I got off the 215 freeway in Iowa and drove on Iowa just on the other side of Highgrove. I'm going up over a, a bridge that, that goes over a, a street below with, a, with some train tracks. I look over to my left and I see this lady in a red shirt starting to walk on the other side of the retaining fence onto the ledge of the overpass. And I'm thinking to myself, that doesn't look right. And there's no one with her. There's no one around. No one stopped. She's all by herself. And I'm thinking, you know what, Bill? I go, you know, and before I could even think about it, you know, my cop instincts, having been out of the business now 11 years and never once encountered anything like that on the job firsthand, I made a U-turn. I went right over, stopped the car, got out, very uh, slowly walked over to her and started trying to get a dialogue with her on, on, you know, what's going on? What can I do to help you? it's a hot day. Let's go grab a beer and talk about it. It can't be that bad. You know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to, to keep her, you know, engaged in some conversation and, and, and talk her off the, off the ledge there. And, um, 
this went on for a few minutes. And when I exited the car, I left my cell phone in the car. It was, it was plugged in. And I'm thinking, well, we probably need to get some, some experts here. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to walk away from her. I don't want to think I'm, I don't want her to think I'm abandoning her. So I stayed talking to her and another young lady pulled up and I asked her to call 911, which she did. And she gave me the phone and I explained to the dispatch center at what turned out to be Riverside Police Department, my old department. I thought I was actually in the county area, but I guess in, in the time that I've retired, the city has, has um, incorporated the area where I was. So I'm talking to the dispatchers. I'm letting them, letting them know where we were at, et cetera, et cetera, who I was. Um, and uh, a few minutes later, after, I'm, after me still talking to this young lady, and by the way, she's not really engaging with me at all. She's not really talking to me. I'm thinking, well, maybe she only speaks Spanish. So in my limited knowledge of Spanish, I tried calling her back. And, or talking to her and that didn't work. And so, but I just, I, I keep her kind of engaged and then two officers pulled up and they took over and these two young kids, officer Haskell and Williams uh, did a really good job. Whatever they said to her worked. So in about 15 minutes later, the fire department had arrived and they put a big, big long uh, ladder from below and Fireman went up and, and strapped her, put a safety strap on her, and she went down the ladder, and and um, and uh, it was a successful type rescue and negotiation. So all's well that ends well. Um, it was a bit scary at first because I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, she's clinging to this hot fence. It's 100 degrees. It's hot. That's going to, you know, she's either going to uh, let go or she's going to try to, you know, scurry back and get from around it and call off the jam. Well, luckily there was a ladder and they got her down. So uh, with that, uh, you know, we were all relieved and, and uh, the officer, like I said, the officers, the two officers that got there did a really good job. Um, the sergeant, the on-duty supervisor that pulled up, uh, an old work buddy of mine named Joe Miera, uh, you know, knew me, I knew him and we started talking a little bit. And, and at the end of the, the whole, ordeal. I told him, I said, Hey, Joe, you got to write these guys a nice little attaboy. They did a great job. He says, Oh, don't worry. I will, you know, so hopefully, you know, these officers will be commended. They did a great job. And for those of you, and I know our don't, our, our listeners probably don't think this way, but for those of you that think that this kind of call can be handled by a social worker or it, maybe it could, but the, but here's the, here, here lies the problem. It was a Sunday at noon. If you're going to call out social workers, you're getting them from home. You know, these people just don't drive around in a, in a, in a squad car waiting for suicide calls. You know, they're either in their office or they're at home. And this would have taken way too long. And I'll tell you what, these officers, as police officers, we're trained to handle just about anything, talk our way in and out of, of anything and everything. And they really showed it during this situation. Yes, sometimes things get violent. Sometimes things don't go the way we all want it to go. But in this particular instance, it went very, very well. Well, uh, Bill, I applaud you and the uh, police officers that assisted in the, uh, the uh, you know, everything that happened and ended well. I mean, I, I think everything you said is, is dead on. And yeah, you want to 
knock police around all these all these days from uh, the media and you know they don't do it they just want to kill people and this and that where, where there's a classic example of you know them saving a life and you 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 saved a life uh, well you know it, it kind of goes back to the whole thing is 99.999 percent of police that's what we that particular call right there is why we get into that type of job we are there to help people we're not there to go and be a gunslinger and 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 go to the you know resort to the wild wild west when situations escalate to that that's what happens that is what makes being a cop worth being a cop are situations like that where you can successfully talk someone into getting help and the, the word to protect and to serve came into play yesterday and that's why cops the vast, vast majority get into that line of work. That's why I did. That's why probably everyone does. And so that is a, a, a prime example of policemen doing their job, police officers doing their job, doing it well, and having, having a successful outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And what I find interesting, Bill, is that you had never come across that in your 20 plus years of law enforcement. So then to be retired again, uh, 11 years now or whatever it's been, then to come across this randomly, I mean, it had to, it, I think for most people that would kind of startle them and throw them off, but you, you jumped right in. Yeah. I mean, in the 27 years I worked, I never had a, a situation like that. Um, I was never the first one there that, you know, I, I was, you know, I had calls like that, but I was blocking off traffic or mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, primarily talking to the, to the victim there, but the whole thing was, you know, you want to call it right place in the right time or wrong place at the wrong time, whatever the case may be. Um, that's just the way life, uh, dealt me my cards yesterday. And, um, you know, luckily, uh, we came out on the winning end and another very, very ironic twist of fate six degree of separation, whatever you want to call it. One of the, the dispatchers in the radio room that was processing this call was um, a girl named Michelle Wood, whose father is George Horton, the former baseball coach at both Cal State Fullerton University of Oregon. So she knows me. Of course, George knows me. And before I wiped the sweat off my head, my bald head and got back in the car and was able to leave the scene. I had gotten a text from George congratulating me on saving the day. And I, I thought, boy, word sure travels fast. So Michelle had passed on to George that, you know, I had, I had uh, helped in this situation. And again, I'm not taking any credit for this. All I did was hoping was what I hope any other solid citizen would do is pull yeah. over, stop, try to help a young lady that needs, that's obviously crying out for help. And the two officers, uh, like I say, Haskell and Williams uh, were the real heroes in this situation. They did a great job in, in uh, calming her down, de-escalating and gaining some trust with her to where she, uh, you know, submitted to uh, coming down the ladder. So that that's it in a nutshell. And it was a, um, you know, something that, usually doesn't happen to me too often. You know, I usually, I'm usually yelling at other drivers and they're cutting me off and I'm, you know, screaming and yelling at them, but I, I've never, you know, that's, that's a first for me yesterday. Wow. So. Well, I'm sure you've, you've, uh, you've talked to, uh, George Hurt 
calm George well, Orton down what a time I, or what two. I, what, yeah, <laughs> what I told George, I texted him back. I said, I said, George, I go, if I can convince you that I got to play right when I kick the shit out of it and you know it and I get you off the field, I can certainly get a distraught young lady off a ledge. <laughs> and we, we had a good laugh to that. Oh, man. Well, like you said, it ended great. And uh, that, that's funny you can, that you can laugh and share some share some jokes about it all and everything. Well, that, well that's great stuff. Uh, yeah, Coach Horton, uh, one of a kind for sure. And yeah, he has some connections to the Riverside Police Department. Not he just does. his daughter, he, right? He does. His daughter is a dispatcher there. And his son-in-law, um, Andy Wood, is a former uh, uh, is a, is a, uh, detective there. And I worked with, with Andy way back in the day and a good kid and um you know great family guy and um i know george has been on some ride-alongs in riverside Mm -hmm. and so he's gotten to see firsthand what uh you know the craziness of of law enforcement's all about it's you know i'm sure it uh a little different than what he does you know filling out a lineup card (laughs) but now that he's retired and semi-retired and enjoying life i i wish him the best Oh, absolutely. Well, well, Bill, when you were, when you were talking to this woman, could you get any sense from her uh, what was going on? She had, would she have a bad day? Was she having a bad year? Like so many people, was it just, did you get anything from her or was it you just trying to talk to her and just get any words out of her? I wanted, I just wanted to keep her attention just to, you know, talk to me, focus on me and talk and keep, keep a dialogue. So she wouldn't look behind her, look down and, and, and get spooked more than she already was. Obviously there was something bothering her. I mean, um, well, well-minded people don't usually go and walk on an overpass, mm-hmm. you know, for, you know, they, that's usually something that people don't do. So there was obviously something inside of her that was upsetting her. And I can understand why this, the, what we're going through now with this pandemic, this, this quarantine, the way jobs are, you know, I saw that, you know, she had a, a convenience store uh, shirt on, and I'm thinking, well, maybe she just got, she had just gotten, you know, let go or her hours cut. I had no idea. And, um, you know, I tried to, you know, try to get, get out of her what was bothering her. But again, she was very, very non-verbal with me. And, you know, and I, I, I kind of, you know, that's usually not the way women are with me. They usually either, or they either love me or hate me. And she was completely in the middle. So, um, I, I kind of took offense to that, to be honest with you. But um, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to make light of this. I'm just really glad that that she came down the ladder, yeah, and and is getting the help that she needs, and 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 will um, recover from this, and and you know have a better a better life, like we all should in this year. I mean, this year, if we could take a mulligan for 2020, I mean, I think we all would. This has been just an absolute horseshit terrible fucking year and it only gets worse because today we got lambasted with some more stay-at-home orders from our illustrious illustrious governor and so again that's a whole segment in itself (laughs) but um i i'm surprised there's not more of this kind of activity maybe there is and we just don't see it i was gonna ask that i was i I was thinking you know what the way this year has been all the job loss think about when when people usually that like that's one of the main things i think for a lot of suicides is is people losing their job uh relationships of course uh this year i guarantee you well we all know about unemployment there's been a, a ton of things and how the virus the quarantine all these different aspects have affected so many different people 
that uh, I would, I haven't looked it up because I don't look these things up, but I would bet to, I would venture to say that a lot of their, I don't know, suicide numbers are probably, I don't know if they're up or not. I, mean, I, I have to believe they are. You I got to think, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't look those things up either because that's just some, some negativity that I can live without. But yeah, yeah. I know that there are folks out there that, that feel hopeless. They feel depressed. They feel there's no hope that this thing is going to go forever. You know, they keep saying that, that wearing masks is going to be the new norm and you're going to do this, you know, for, for uh, who knows when, which I hope is not the case because it's, it's great. I mean, I don't like change. I'm an old man now. Old people don't like change. I don't like change. I don't want some, I don't want people telling me I have to wear a mask. I'll do it temporarily until this damn thing has run its course. And then I'm going to take my chances because and I think everybody else will, I hope, because two things are going to happen. Two things are going to happen. Either a Democrat is going to get elected into the White House and you're going to see this, this so-called uh, sickness go away really, really fast. Or Donald Trump is going to get reelected. And if you thought you saw riots a month ago, wait until he gets reelected. This country will go berserk with rioting, looting, and complete protest of his reelection. Why would that be, Bill? I mean, uh, the, the whole democracy thing, you know, that doesn't... that. Uh, I, I did see that last time, four years ago, we saw uh, rioting and protesting and I'm thinking, oh, well, is this over a voting system or, you it's, know, what, what exactly is it over? It is over the fact that the progressive Democrats who are here to destroy this country and do whatever they can to completely run amok and interrupt, interfere and interdict with the Republican way, the conservative way. If they can't have their way, then they're just going to break their toys. Yeah. Which, which in this case are cities and people. We saw it happen after the George Floyd thing. Yeah. And it was not controlled. The, the, so many of these democratic cities with democratic leaders, let it burn, let it go. I mean, we just got done cleaning up Seattle. We saw how that worked out. So, so if, uh, if president Trump loses in November, uh, are we saying that there'll be a bunch of riots from uh, the conservative side, from all those people? I would say not because um, <laughs> me, me that's either. not that's not the conservative that's style. Weird. That's so weird. That's that's odd. How come? Believe me, it doesn't if, work that if, way. It's weird. If that was the case, <laughs> the conservatives in California would be torching the state with the shit that Gavin Newsom is pulling. Yeah, I mean, whether or not. Napa Valley, Napa County is uh, a, a county that, that needs to be shut down, whether it is or not. Um, as a leader, if I'm governor of the state of California and I have a business that's in a well-protected area, as a leader, to lead by example, I'm shutting down my, my business. Just to say, hey, look, mm -hmm. I'm doing it. You need to do it. But this son of a bitch completely screws the entire county, tells everyone willy-nilly, makes a blanket statement to shut everything down, and leaves his winery open. What kind of leader is that? I, 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 don't, I don't know uh, what that is. Do as I say, not as I do, you know, type of thing. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely hypocrisy. He's, he, he's, an he's a spoiled, entitled brat. 
Um, and that's what the good people of this state have elected. And now everybody's scurrying for this um, recall, which ain't, which is not working. No, it's, no not. it's it's a joke. Quit wasting your fucking energy. Just vote him out next time. Work to get another candidate. Work to educate the people that this guy's a complete fucking moron. And let's get somebody in there that's going to do the job. Yeah. Well, I, I'm looking at this list here um, that, that uh, Mr. Newsom has said must close and, and must cease operation. Restaurants, wineries, movie theaters, family entertainment, zoos, museums, uh, card rooms, whatever those are, bars must close all operations. Mm-hmm. What I don't see here are the thousands of people protesting in a, in a certain place. Is that on another page? I must, I, I haven't seen that. Uh, he I'm said, not sure where that is. It was noted that no indoor protesting is allowed. Oh, okay. But if you mass, if you gather outdoors by the thousands and you don't social distance completely. Okay. So what about outdoor bars and restaurants and outdoor uh, zoos? And uh, where's, I'm, I'm missing Again, something. it's the hypocrisy of it the is. whole thing. It's the hypocrisy of what this governor is doing. And I'm, you know what? I think the press, I haven't said this before, but I'm going to say it now. The press is a, they're a bunch of pussies. Okay. The media are complete fucking pussies. Why someone doesn't challenge him on these questions, on these things during his news conference is beyond me. Yeah. Why they placate this guy. Same thing the way they do with Garcetti. In the, in the afternoons when he does his, okay? They attack Trump. Every fucking one of them attacks him at his news conferences to the point where he doesn't even have them anymore. You know, he's got his um, McElhaney or whatever her name is, the cute little blonde. <laughs> he's got her out there putting them in their place, okay? So why the pussy gutless media doesn't take on these two dictators is beyond me. All I want is consistency. That's all I want. It, whatever side you 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 are on, wherever you're at, you're in the middle. You you. I I just want consistency. You are in the Soviet republic. You are in the Soviet Republic of California. If you want consistency, you're gonna have to move to to Costa Rica. <laughs> okay, forget it. Outdoor protests are okay, but bars, restaurants, you guys must all cease your operations. I saw a great. Oh man, I should have saved it. It was on Facebook or something. And it showed like 10 people sitting peacefully on a patio, spread out nicely, uh, sitting there, having their drinks, having their food. And uh, the, the, the big block letters, it said uh, like, uh, yeah, we got to close these, these restaurants. It's all these people fault that uh, virus is spreading. And in the background, there's this march on the streets of about a thousand people uh, walking on the streets, you know, close together and everything. And I'm going, this is where we're at. This is, this is the, uh, we say it every week. We come up with new hypocrisies, but it's frustrating as we're sitting here every week. Who are the idiots? I think we're the idiots that we, that we keep putting up with this. Yeah. We keep banging our heads together, wondering why this is continuing. You know, maybe we need, we need, you know, uh, maybe the, maybe us, you know, conservative, we need to rise up. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not trying to, to cause a, uh, you know, a uh, revolution here, but Hey, you fat, Lazy white guys, get off your fucking asses and make a sound, will you? All right? Look, I know it's comfortable for you to sit there and have a couple of martinis after work, have a cigar, and bitch about it. Well, fucking do something, okay? Do something. Get up off your dead asses and, and be heard. 
Yeah, I wish more people would speak up. And this is an opportunity, obviously, every week to do this. But some people who, who speak up, I mean, or, or just stand in front of their house, uh, you know, with a rifle or two, just letting people know, don't screw with this house. They're looked at as criminals. They're looked at as law-abiding citizens just standing in front of their house, you know, just being like, hey, uh, don't screw with this house. Uh, not pointing guns at anyone, just just holding their ground because they're outnumbered and there's thousands of people in the streets. You don't know who to trust. You don't know who's peaceful and who's not. And those are the people that are criminalized by the media, by the celebrity, by all the, this blue checkmark, uh, you know, fancy people who have to be, uh, uh, you know, on social media and be confirmed of who they are. They're that important. It's all a bunch of nonsense. And the real criminals are the ones that are destroying things, not the people that are standing in front of their homes, their businesses, armed, just trying to defend and get by and move about their daily lives. That's why our media is as corrupt and as fucked up as our politicians are. They go, they go hand in hand. They're all in bed together. Mm -hmm. They're making love to each other. And we're the, we're the victims of it. Yeah. And, and you know what, we're going to continue to be, and we talked about churches last week, not being allowed to sing in church. Well, now, now you can't even go to church. Uh, it's just one thing after another. And I hate that concerned look on your, on not your face, but the, you know, the governor's face, the mayor, they talk at you like, you don't understand this guys. You don't understand. And then you, 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 this spew out this venom that comes out of your mouth talking about inconsistency and hypocrisy. It just drives me crazy. And every week I talk to you about this stuff and you're right. We, maybe we are the idiots for thinking things are going to change or not expecting this, these, uh, these idiotic things to become uh, mainstream because well, it's one thing after another. Just when you think it can get no worse, it gets worse. Okay. Now I did see that there's a church in Riverside that's going to have their, their services in the parking lot. How they, dare they? How dare yeah, they? I, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, so there are ways around it and I applaud them for doing that. Um, you know, I mean, life has become 99% online. Everything is virtual now. Virtual life is the way we're living it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I want to, you talk about 99% all the time, whether it be uh good, good, you know, 99% good, 99% bad. Let me, let me, I mean, this is something, this is from a daily wire article that is discussing, uh, Governor Newsom's orders and everything. So these are the numbers that are in this article. And I can look up more and be more accurate if, if you guys want. But, uh, you know, there's 39 and a half million people who uh, live in the state of California. Call, let's call it 40 million. 40 million people. You want to go 39, that's fine. So there's been 7,000 deaths uh, in the state of California, an entire state over this thing. And just, the death rate has gone down. Yeah. What, what, the death rate is dropping. And, and, and yes, they say that the, the hospitalizations are rising, but fuck, the deaths are going down <laughs> and we're going back to, to, uh, to square the, you know, to the, to the beginning and, and shutting everything down for what? Yeah. It was never the, the death sentence for a great number of people that uh, everyone portrayed it to be reported it to be there were there. Sure. There was a significant amount of deaths. If you want to say that, but the death rate is going down, meaning more people are getting it, less people are dying. Isn't that a good sign? Well, to me, that means the strain being is strong. It's out there, but I think the strain is, you know, again, I'm not a, doc a doctor. I don't profess to be, but I have stayed at a Holiday Inn Express a couple of times. <laughs> so with that being said, the strain could be getting weaker, affecting more people, but getting weaker or just affecting more people that are healthy to where they're going to be able to 
recover more quickly. Yeah. And to me, what is that? That's a, that's a common cold and that's a flu. Is it not? Sounds like it to me. That's what it sure sounds like. This, this is no longer the death sentence that this thing was portrayed to be in the beginning. And uh, the, the knee-jerk reaction by Newsom to shut down the state again, or his, his specific counties, not including his own, is just another idiotic thing that he's done to shove up the ass of his political counterparts. That's it. It's all political. And people who say that it's not, you're full of nonsense as well. 7,000 people have died in the state of California. There's 39 and a half million people here. That's not counting, obviously, the people who've had it. I'm not, that's not even a death rate of the people who've had it. The death rate of the total amount, the total population, 7,000 people who've died from this thing. And again, you die from it. You, people die and they have it. Doesn't mean they necessarily died of it. But again, we won't go into all that. That's point zero. 0.018%. That's not, that's not 17%, not 1.7%, 0.017% of the California's population have died. And yes, you could argue 0.000001% of, of somebody dying is awful, but unfortunately people die in this world when, when every they, day. When somebody invents a way where you're not going to die, let yeah. me know. Yeah. Okay. Now, I hear I'm, not, I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying. No, me neither. There's two things that happen to you in your life. You get born and you die. Everything in between is, you know, whatever. You can mainly, you can usually control what happens, okay, or with your life if you do it the right way. However, being born, that's out of your hands, obviously. Dying, you, you know, no one, no one gets out alive. No. And, uh, and last time I checked, um, you know, even Chuck Norris is going to die. <laughs> okay. You know, I understand the other day that he was, he was, he tested positive for COVID and COVID was put, COVID itself was put on a 14 day quarantine. <laughs> so even tough guys like him, you know, are going to, are going to kick it someday. Well, Bill, we can always come back to the virus and the lockdown because that's not going anywhere anytime soon. But some of the news that broke uh, over the weekend, kind of late Friday, Thursday, going into the weekend, was that there was some changes uh, in the living arrangements for a few college football conferences. There's been a few conferences, such as the Ivy League, that said uh, they're not playing fall sports or shutting down football. And although the, the, not many people may be interested in Ivy League football, two big conferences made significant changes. Both the Big Ten and the Pac-12 conference out here on the West Coast uh, have announced that they will no longer be playing uh, in the upcoming season uh, non-conference games. So generally, most teams play a 12-game season, nine-game uh, conference season, and three non-conference opponents in general, give or take. So now you're looking at a nine-game season for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. They will probably add an extra conference opponent to make it 10. But who knows? They're going to round everything out, uh, how it's going to be. I think you and I are both skeptical that it's not going to matter because it's probably not going to be football anyway. I'll tell you right now, there will not be football in the fall. There will not be any sports of any kind in the fall, contact sports in the fall. That means football, basketball, uh, lacrosse, any of those fall sports where you are, you don't maintain a, maintain a six foot distance with someone 
and, and, and can't wear a mask, you're not going to be on the field because A, uh, it's unsafe. They've deemed it unsafe. And with the spike in what's going on, if you're going to shut down what Newsom shut down, you sure as hell can't play fucking football. Yeah. Okay. Where you're tackling each other and sweating on them and, and, you know, this and that. It's just no way. There's no way. And it's player safety first. I guarantee you there will not be football at the collegiate level, at any level, division one, two, three, mm-hmm. junior college, small school, whatever it may be, or high school football until uh, January at the earliest. Yes. I, uh, you know, I thought a few months ago that universities, athletic programs would move heaven and earth to make sure that a college football season is paid is played because the money is so big for the universities. But as we mentioned last week, I think it's just too big of a liability. The things that are coming up, you know, with changing to a non-conference schedule, playing without fans, all those things are like stall tactics almost. And the season is fast approaching. So as it gets closer, I think you're going to see more and more of these mandates or cancellations, unfortunately. Yes. Um, the LA school system, LA Unified, just said today they're not opening in August like they were. Yes, I did it's see that. It's going to be prolonged. If you don't have kids on campus, you can't have clubs, you can't have sports. Therefore, you're not going to have team sports because if you can't be on campus, you can't practice. Yeah. And it's unsafe. They've deemed this unsafe. I don't see an absolute miracle between now and the end of the year that this this uh, COVID is going to go away to the point where you can play contact sports, let alone have fans in the stands to watch this. I mean, high school football is all about the happening, the gathering, the parents, the families, the, the school coming out and having support your, your team. You're not going to have that. No, and the only magic that could happen is uh, after the election. I think there could be some things magically happen, but that's that's a little too late for high school football. The start of college football. I have seen a lot of different things. Uh, the California Community College Athletic Association. They have said their community college football, which is pretty big here in California, they are going to be playing in the spring. They postponed their season to the spring. I think they're starting in either February or March which is the baseball season and baseball is going to get pushed back. I have no idea what basketball is. And we're talking about kind of the three major sports there, but that's strictly from a community college standpoint, which is kind of that in between of high school and college. Right. So that kind of gives us an idea. I would think. Yes. And from what I understand, they're going to play seven games, seven game schedule, <laughs> which I think I say, why bother? Why? What is that? Seven, seven games. games. And, uh, it's going to be in January or February and you're going to have basketball going at the same time. And then baseball, from what I understand, will start the end of March okay. and go to till end of May. And um, it'll only be a one week playoff at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's a baseball. That's if, if, yeah. if, if it even goes, <laughs> I mean, this, you know, if you listen to the experts, this COVID is getting worse. It's spreading. It's getting worse. The spread is worse. So if this thing keeps getting worse, it's going to take some while before it gets better. And I got to tell you, the last pandemic we had back in, in, I think it was, I don't know, 1917, 1918. It lasted two solid years. 
And the, the second wave was worse than the first wave. And everybody says we're still in the first wave now. So unless there's some type of magic cure to this, we're in for a long, long, uh, steady run of the yeah. same old shit. Yeah, I hear you. But, and look, I don't want, I can't say it enough. Bill, you can't say it enough. You said it repeatedly. No one is in favor of anybody dying. All right. But the death rate is the number one thing you got to look at here. You know what? If it's things open back up, obviously there's going to be a spike. I mean, this didn't go away. People are going to, but it's just a matter of, okay, who, who, uh, who is the most likely to get this? The whole school thing. I saw, I saw this, the, you know, the whole LA uh, unified said, yeah, we're not going to start the, the school year in classrooms. And I've seen some uh, friends make comments about that who are parents and I'm not a parent, but they said, yeah, you know, if you think we should, they should, kids should be back in school. You have no idea. You know, they can't go hug their grandparents right now. And this, and I'm like, well, what are you saying? They're going to be quarantined at home and, and they're going to go hug their grandparents because they're quarantined. Like, well, make up your mind, which it is like either they can go to school and then either way you can't go see your grandparents. In my opinion, you don't want that because kids carry could carry viruses and this and that, but I don't know. I am at a loss for where was so much of this stuff because again, there's inconsistency over and over. That's what it should be called. The inconsistency uh, 19 virus. Well, yeah. And, and I know this guy's getting bagged on a lot. I, I know that, that it sounds like he's losing his credibility with president Trump and that is Dr. Fauci. Well, I have never heard him say anything with any certainty whatsoever. I know he's a leading, he's the leading expert. On, on infectious diseases, and he's got a great resume, but we're looking for him to, for some fucking guidance here. And maybe, maybe when uh, there's going to be some light at the end of the tunnel, and he is giving none of that. He is giving worst case scenario on every situation. Um, he's predicting 100,000 cases a day throughout the country. And at first, when this thing first broke, everybody said, uh, 78 degrees kills this thing. Well, guess what, folks? It's been 78 degrees uh, in the United States now for about three months every day, and the fucking thing is climbing through the roof. So that was wrong, obviously. It was, you know, they, they flip-flopped on the masks. I've, I've said this time and time again. I really don't think anybody knows how to effectively handle this thing. And if this thing was man-made in a lab, Kudos to these scientists for really putting a great little uh, test tube together and fucking shit up because you did a great job. Yeah, I don't know uh, if there was sick, uh, sick individuals doing that or not. You know, those are one of the conspiracy theories. Who knows? But it, it's it's just I, I don't even have the words to say. To, like, OK, take Pac, the Pac-12, for instance. This is this is the problems I have with these some of these reactions. Either shut it all down. Don't play. Don't do this. Well, we'll kind of play or maybe this. The Pac-12 said conference only. So the University of Utah, who plays in Salt Lake City, they can fly up to the University of Washington in Seattle. However, however two hours of flight that is, they can go up there and play them in a football game, but they can't drive 30 minutes, if that, to Provo, Utah, and play the uh, Brigham Young University in a non-conference game. It just it, it makes absolutely no sense. And there's a ton of in-state rivals like that where those have, have gone away and people are, oh, it doesn't matter. It's all about safety. Well, well, you're not being safe. 
if according to these guidelines, that's the same thing with the Gavin Newsom thing is uh, saying, well, these are outdoor protests, so they're okay. Okay, well, what about outdoor? You know, it's just, it's one big thing wrapped into a bad snowball bill. It's just one thing over and over. Um, I'd like to find who is holding the brain in this whole situation <laughs> and, and see if they can't, you know, pull it together because no one is. And that goes with sports, politics, um, you know, on, on down the line. Everybody doesn't know how to act, handle this shit. And we're looking for some leadership here to take, take the reins uh, and, and give us some direction. And the only direction we're getting is we're going to close this, close that. You can't go here. You can't go there. I mean, um, didn't, am I, correct me if I'm wrong, but Disneyland, downtown Disney just opened, correct? I believe that. But that's an outdoor area, correct? Down, outdoor. Yeah. Now, are, are they going to be able to play baseball at Angel Stadium and Dodger <laughs> Stadium? And San Diego Stadium and Oakland and San Francisco? Because how do the rules pertain to that? Yes, it's outdoors, but it's, it's, there's no, you know, the social distancing is a little tough there. I think it's not with those baseball as of now. My understanding is that they are not public gathering places because it is a uh, business operation. Technically, it's not, you know, where people are going to, socialize and mingle and this and that, uh, you know, like those other places are. So I, it's not open to the public basically, I think is what it boils down to right now. Well, I, I'm going to go on record right now saying I'm against sports being played without fans. I'm against this rinky dink half-assed fly by night bullshit way. They're going to play sports. Okay. I think this bubble thing in Orlando is a joke. They're practicing in, in ballrooms down there. Okay. They're practicing in ballrooms. All right. It, it, I don't, I think it's only for money. It's obviously not for the fans. No, I don't give fans. a flying fuck about watching a baseball game that, I mean, that is, I mean, I tried watching the Dodger scrimmage the other night and it was like watching paint dry. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, come on. It, it, let's, this is this is going I, I to be any know. sports that ends up going at this point. It's going to be a very bad product. It's going to be uh, the sports that have kind of a small arena anyway, and you don't really need fans. You can kind of pull off, but some of these you're playing in these giant stadiums without fans. Uh, I I don't know. I, I thought oh, okay, it won't be so bad, but some of the examples I've seen. I just think you're right, Bill. We're going to be more and more in the twilight zone here in the next couple of months. I was hopeful for a while. Now I'm not sure. I, I think uh, because there's an overreaction to everything. Oh, uh, so this guy on this team, he got COVID-19. Okay. Well, he's not going to die from it. Like he'll be all right. Like let's go. Yeah. And I think what they're doing is I know with the, with the Dodgers, they've, they've split the clubhouses up. The visitors clubhouse houses, half the team, the uh, home clubhouse, half the team. And they've got some, they took over some suites upstairs and the angels did the same thing. And what gets me is there's no showering permitted. That's ridiculous. There's no showering. So how is that more sanitary? I have no idea. And there's a, there's a steadfast rule 90 minutes after the game, you must be out of the clubhouse. You must be out of the stadium. So my guess is, is that in, in the visiting teams are going to dress in their hotel, get on the bus, bus to the stadium, play the game, 
just like in high school, you get on the bus at school and you, you know, and you go, you play the game, you put your tennis shoes on and you carry your cleats with you. And when, and when the game's over, you put your, 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 uh, your all purpose shoes on and get on the bus <laughs> because cleats weren't allowed on the bus. And you go back to the, you go back to school. Well, it's going to be the same thing for professional baseball now. And they're going to, you know, they're going to march in through the hotel front lobby or a back door or something, go up to their rooms, and then they'll be able to use their room as their locker room. And supposedly they're they're they will be mandated that they can't really live freely on the road. They they'll they'll be a process where they're going to be monitored. And I know that's the way it is down in the bubble in Orlando. And I think that's the way it's going to be in for baseball. Again, it's a very short season. It's, it's, it's a two month season. And I'm sure those ball players are as anxious to get it the fuck over with as we are. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It was at bull Durham. Yeah. You know, on the show, you don't carry your own bags. It's like, well, in 2020 you do. Exactly. <laughs> it's very, exactly. Very You're going to be carrying your own shit. <laughs> Just like when we saw, when, when we saw that, uh, that golf, that golf uh, deal with uh, Peyton Manning and those, when they pulled up in their car, they were toting their own bags. Yeah. And I thought, well, how human being is that? Welcome to earth guys. <laughs> you know, you're toting your own fucking bags around. Oh man. What a, what a, what a novel idea. What? Well, that's going to be the same where you're going to see, you know, Mike Trout toting his own shit on the road. You're going to see all these guys, you know, lap, lapping their own bags around, which is, Hey, Welcome, welcome back. I want to say with, with, okay, professional sports. We, we've discussed college sports and how, okay, they're amateurs. Even though there's some pretty good medical uh, professionals at these schools, I, I think with the professional sports, there's so many, uh, there's so much of an investment into these guys as athletes, as in their bodies. Every, I mean, the physicals they go through and everything okay, if a guy has a, a weird heart condition or something, something that is an underlying condition that could multiply the uh, how extreme he is affected by getting COVID-19, okay, they should probably uh, sit on the sidelines and not be involved, all right? But to the, the athletes, uh, the best athletes in the world at these sports, you know, you know what, uh, if they're out there and they get it, I can't imagine. I'm no. I'm, I'm. I don't have a crystal ball here, but I can't imagine they they uh, suffer or or go down. In, in you know, God forbid, die. I just don't no, see that happening. It, it's not them. It, it would be if they passed it on to a, a relative who is uh, you know has an underlying yeah. condition. But when you went back to the college, these are allegedly student athletes. Okay, <laughs> and with student athletes. Safety will always prevail. Always. Therefore, if it's not safe in, in January, they're not going to play. They may not play football until 2022. Yeah. I mean, let's just face facts here. Unless there's some magic cure quickly uh, and this thing keeps going like it's going, um, we're not, we may not see any type of youth, youth sports or college sports, other than anything other than professional and professional scaled way down like yeah. it is uh, until, uh, you know, a good two years, year and a half from now. You're starting, I mean, it was already this lack of involvement in youth sports and high school sports, all the, you know what, we're going to see here in the next couple of years, because it's going to go away and you're going to, 
it's going to be a thing of the past, unfortunately, to what it once was. Now, with guys going to college and playing and, and going to professional and all this and that, okay, that'll probably that'll come back. That'll stick around. But, man, there's going to be some serious changes with all the distractions and stuff kids have. You're, I think you're right, Bill. If, 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 I, if we had to place a wager today on what, what, are, what we've uh, seen down the road, and both of our opinions have changed over these past couple months regarding all this, I believe – uh, it's going to get shut down at least the year 2021 and the, the uh, school season will say, and I don't know. I, I it's, it's unfortunate, but you're right. Where, where does the, where does it come back? You need a, a miracle. You need this cure, right? Is that going to come back ever? I don't know. What, what's the change got to have to be. The change is going to have to be herd immunity, <laughs> which means it runs its course, which that's going to take a long time. Or a vaccine which cures you overnight, yep. and it it, ha- it makes a plastic bubble around you where the thing can't infiltrate your body. I don't see that happening in the foreseeable future. These things take for years. These things take years to uh, to to manifest. Therefore, if I were to lay a wager right now, if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was, I would say you're not going to see sports at anything other than the professional level until at least September or October of the year 2021. And that is a conservative, conservative guess. Mm-hmm. I could see the whole, all of next calendar year being uh, off the table as far as uh, <laughs> youth sports of any type. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, it, it, it is unbelievable, but you know, 2020 I mean, is unbelievable. I would rather have this happen than some type of nuclear Holocaust <laughs> yeah. to where we're all walking around glowing and it will take 10 years to unfuck, okay? <laughs> I would rather have this situation than any other type of uh, mass casualty event. Yeah, well, of course, a- absolutely. And uh, to some people, this this is a mass casualty event, uh, but it's just, you know, it's it's just a very unprecedented time and it's so frustrating. <laughs> uh, Bill, let me ask you, have you ever had a flu shot? Yes. Yeah, had a few, few had one. flu shots over the, okay, I mean, I don't remember, maybe it was a kid or something, but uh, I've had the flu before. I've been very, I've actually had pneumonia twice when I was a kid. Uh, so I know that there is sickness and this virus for some people is quite horrible. And again, I think it goes to the underlying conditions. Uh, you know, I've seen people who have the flu who look like they're on death's door and it's bad. Yes. It's very, very bad. So I, I'm not trying to, uh, diminish any of this stuff, but man, in general, uh, I think sickness is, especially from this virus, I, overall, I think most people are just, they're getting by just fine. They're going to be okay. Well, you, you laid the stats out a minute ago. Okay. You laid the stats out and a great deal of the people that get this, it knocks them on their ass a little bit, but they survive it and they're back at it. Okay. Just like any other flu. I get it. I understand. Now, if you have that under it, it, this virus will attack your respiratory system. Obviously, if you have an underlying condition, that's, that's a no brainer. I see that. I have, I know people that know people that yeah. are in their forties. They're on a respirator because they've had, you know, pneumonia a couple times in the last few years. So your, your lungs are scarred to begin with, and it's going to attack that. Um, I don't really, 
envy anyone who gets this. I think it's 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 bad, but the stats show it's survivable. Yep. Yeah. It's... And if you're careful, if you don't go and surround yourself in some, you know, on some party boat with a bunch of hack and coffin people, <laughs> the, the the odds are you're going to be fine. You know, I'm careful about who I go around. I, I, you know, I try to limit my, my distance with people. Um, so, but who knows? It just takes one person to fuck your day up. <laughs> yeah, that was before COVID. And, and now we, here we are where that's, uh, that could be more true. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't know about sports. Uh, just getting back to sports. I don't know. Uh, there, there's so many people working on these things. And uh, I think you're absolutely right. We, it's not looking good for, for sports here in the middle of July. It's looking really, really bad really bad and i hope every every day i hope and pray that there's some mad scientist out there the jonas salk of the 2020 that's that's in some laboratory somewhere mixing a bottle and he's got a magic potion for this shit because this needs to stop right it now. needs to stop for everybody's mental health physical health businesses everybody this shit needs to stop and I think everybody agrees there. They may not agree on other things, but they, everybody agrees that this needs to go away. Well, Bill, I was here last week to record our weekly episode. And you know what, Bill, I can honestly say this in all sense seriousness. You know, you, you've been there and done a lot of things for me over the years. You, you put a roof over my head uh, a long time ago. You've, you've bought me a drink or two. So I got to do something for you last week uh, on a technology standpoint, which is something I never would have thought I would have ever been able to do. But I figured out your problem with Amazon Prime and you were able to tune in and watch one of your favorite shows finally in the uh, the, the series called Bosch. So what can you tell me about a week now having Amazon Prime back? Well, it's, it had been two months since the show came back out, and I finally was able to pretty much uh, uh, finish up the 10 episodes in about two days. <laughs> and it was, a you know, it, I, I enjoyed this year's uh, uh, broadcast because there wasn't as much blood and gore as there was in the past. Mm -hmm. It was more of the way real detective work is done with a lot of, uh, tedious um, checking this, checking that, getting on computers, uh, looking at people's past. So it really, it really showed what um, hardcore detective work is all about. And for that, you know, I liked it. It still showed, um, you know, a little bit of some, uh, you know, sh shoot 'em up stuff, which you have to have in those shows. <laughs> um, I liked how it ended. You know, all the bad guys were either dead or in custody. <laughs> which is the way, you know, it should be. Yep. And um, only if you resist, by the way. If you give up peacefully, that's fine. Um, but um, it was a good, 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 good year. Um, my man, Jay Edgar, was, you know, front and center, doing a real good job. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Harry was was out there doing the Lord's work, as well as, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, some other detectives and 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 folks. And they brought in... You know, they, they did a, a some work with the FBI and it showed that one of their agents was a little bit corrupt and uh, came up 
on the wrong end of things. So that's all, you know, very much uh, real and believable in, in my book. So I enjoyed it. What, what was cool is uh, we flipped it on last week and, you know, I was fired up that I finally figured out how to fix something. And uh, we watched, we must have blown through three or four episodes and I'd seen it months ago, but it was fun sitting here watching it with you, a former cop, because you kept pointing things out. You're like, oh, he would never wear his gun like that. Or, oh, they'd never pull up to the scene like this. And, and you even called out a few things right before they happened. And it was funny because you were on, you know, you're on your phone kind of screwing around or whatever. And you were still able to see things kind of before they happened, which I found fascinating from a former cop. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I mean, you don't do surveillances in Crown Victorias with red and blue lights on it. Okay. <laughs> the crooks are going to see that right off the bat. Um, you don't uh, do some things that are completely blatant and obvious, making you making yourself look like your Joe, Joe cop. But I give credit to the show and the people that run the show that you're not giving trade secret secrets away either to the bad guys. Yeah. So they're keeping it as realistic they, as, as they can without giving up a lot of uh, information that will help the crooks in detecting who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. So there's a fine line there and, and they met it quite satisfactory in my book. Uh, well, one thing we mentioned a long time ago, and I asked you about specifically was kind of that dialogue, the treatment of each of each other uh, with local law enforcement versus uh, the, the federal agents and how, you know, explaining to me, why is it like that? And I think you, you had told me and uh, even last week watching that they did a pretty good job, right? In showing that relationship, the bashing of heads, but also working together, not liking each other, this and that, right? Yeah. Um, the federal agencies, especially the FBI, has always had a a, a rap on them for being kind of uppity and big league in their municipal counterparts and being, you know, not fun to uh, play in the sandbox with because they've got all the big expensive toys and they've got all the secrets and they don't like to share information. Well, it, it was a, a lot worse years ago. It's gotten a little better now because there's task force out there that, that blend federal officers with municipal officers. So it's a, it's a little better, um, but there's still that, that headbutting that'll go on on a big case, a big case. Whereas, you know, the feds are not really good at solving murder cases. Locals are, the feds are really good at maybe handling an espionage, espionage case where the locals might not. So if you can blend those two and have a happy marriage, you know, great. But like most marriages, there's always going to be some some shit thrown at each other and some yelling and screaming. So that's usually what happens. Yeah, I, I have a fancier badge than you. I, I went to, uh, you're just the local yokel, right? And, and this and that. I mean, what is it? Most F, we'll take FBI just for, for instance, or you could throw DEA, whoever. But you think most of those guys, uh, federal agents, are they guys that you went to college first or I know cops go to college as well. And, but like, well, to be an agent, you've got to have a, a bachelor's degree. Okay. Okay. To be a, to be a uh, FBI agent. And usually what they want are attorneys, people from law school, mm -hmm. accountants, people that are number crunchers. And I've yet to see an accountant or a attorney that will roll and roll with the bodily fluids in a back alley <laughs> and fight tooth and nail Yeah, where your municipal cops are pretty good at that kind of stuff. So there, there's some resentment there between the two. Um, 
to be a police officer, you just need a high school uh, diploma or a GED. And that's usually thrown in their faces as well that, you know, the educated FBI are going to come in and, and with their white pressed shirts with their, with their, um, their uh, initials on their, on their uh, cuffs and their cuff links and their fancy shit walking in and taking over a case while the local cops walking out with his JC penny dockers and, you know, with his head between his ass. So that's, they, they take great pride in doing that. But again, it's gotten better. And um, there, there's more of a, a cooperation now between agencies. The DEA, I worked a lot with them. They're good guys for the most part. They're pretty, pretty common sense down to earth because they do a lot of undercover work and they know what it's like to be out there in the, in the uh, pus with, with somebody. <laughs> um, the best, like I say, the best guys I ever worked with, I loved them to death. They're just about every one of them that I worked with were the secret service guys because they were just basically bodyguards and, but they thrived to, to, to be in a physical confrontation with someone. So if they, if you're ever on a, on a situation with them, they, they wanted to really, you know, put hands on somebody and manhandle somebody, <laughs> which was great. That's who you want there with you. Um, you know, they, they were really solid, good guys. And of course you've got to have a degree to, to be a, an agent. And they were mostly, I mean, when you look at the secret service, you know, they're wearing a suit and they're, they have a nice little pin on their lapel. They're guarding the president and they're look, they all look good. They're tall. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're good looking guys, but beneath them, they like to party. They like to have a good time <laughs> and, you know, they'll chase a woman or two and there's nothing wrong with that. That's kind of a fun little night actually, especially when they're buying. Yeah. Well, I got that big uh, federal check, federal government, uh, paycheck of course and i mean you obviously went through the academy and did this and that years ago and but what, what is kind of the difference from some of your federal agent buddies or guys you've come across are their academies a little different is it a little more classroom based or i mean they're they're physically fit guys and, and also but what are the differences would you say in kind of some of the training or as you're starting out with federal agents versus local law enforcement well, the academies, I think, are a little different because they're more, the federal federal academies are a lot more uh, designed to handle um, number crunching, um, things of, of, you know, international terrorism, things like that. So they're a little, they're designed a little different on what their thought process, processes are, how they go about their daily business, whereas uh, a police academy, you're taught the elements of a burglary. You're taught how to um, exit a police car. You're taught, you know, how to do all the things you do as a cop. Whereas it's a little more upscale in a federal training situation because you do different things. And it's a lot more classroom oriented. But there is the physical aspect mm -hmm. of it. And the weapon training is about the same. In fact, when I went to the academy, the F the F uh, FBI SWAT team were our, were our uh, weapons instructors. We had a lunatic, and I don't even know if the guy's still alive, named Ron Fregolti. I never will forget him. <laughs> he would come in and give lectures on, on weapon retention, weapon control, and he would garner your attention, trust me. Or he would come up and pound the desk in front of you, and he liked to call everybody sunshine. You know, he'd come up, and if you were starting to nod off, you know, good morning, sunshine, <laughs> and kind of wake you up and... And anybody out there that knows of him, 
you know, I don't know who would, but anyway, I know your 27 million listeners might know him. Uh, Ron Fergolti was quite a legend and quite a, uh, a great, great weapons instructor. And I, I think, you know, this was, God, 37 years ago when I was in the academy. So I'm sure he's probably still kicking somewhere um, and probably not on the job. I would hope not anyway. <laughs> and um, But uh, he, he was very dynamic in the way he went about his business. Well, I'm a big fan of uh, the show also, and I watched it months ago. It was cool rewatching it. But I thought they did a really good job of showing, especially to us civilians, uh, kind of the dynamic between local law enforcement and federal agency investigating the same case for two different reasons or multiple reasons. Right. It was very fascinating. Right. And man, yeah, to see Harry Bosch just not want to take anything those guys said, take any of their crap. He, he was, I love him anyway. Uh, Titus Welliver, is that his, his yes. name? Yes. Yeah. And he's a producer, I think, on the show too. Uh, so he, he has a hand in a lot of the things that goes on and, and he's just fantastic as far as a, uh, a, a cop, uh, you know, main character, we'll say he's great. He, he carries himself just like a cop as do all the cops on that show. In fact, I think a lot of the uniform cops are probably cops as extras yeah. from LAPD or whatever agency that that's why there's, there's such a realistic, uh, uh, style to that show. And you can tell when they go in and do building searches, I mean, it's textbook tactics uh, that not your run-of-the-mill um, Hollywood pretty boy actor is going to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely is. Uh, and you you point that out to me. And you were the one that got me involved in this show. You you said when you first started this show, uh, someone told you to check it out and you watched the whole, the whole damn season really in one night setting. And then you were like, you, you guys got to check this show out. And then I ended up doing the same thing. So I was just glad you got the opportunity to Finally watch it, Bill, and it's almost time for next season, I'm Thanks sure. Thanks to you, you came in and completely <laughs> unfucked my, my Amazon uh, link, and it was a quick fix, and uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> and now again, that, that we're back on a lockdown, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot more action out of watching Amazon. Now, yeah. As well as I will Netflix, and probably, you know, the Cartoon Network and every other fucking thing that's out there, because that's all you can do. That, that's all we can do, absolutely. Any, any, uh, any... Well, now that uh, Amazon Prime is back, I mean, any any ideas or few few a few shows you got upcoming or thoughts about what to watch next? I watched Prime? I watched the Robert F. Kennedy for President miniseries thing. Really? Yeah, and I found that to be pretty fascinating. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know he was such a little hothead uh, that you know that he, of, of all the Kennedys. I guess him being the runt of the litter made him kind of a, an angry young man. And I've got to say this, and I know this is bad, and I know it's a bad joke, oh, and I'm probably going to get thrown off the air for saying this. <laughs> Just look at it as, as comedy, please. Don't take this serious when I say this. I was at a, con I was at a Chicago concert at the, um, um, up at the, um, uh, the Griffith Park. Uh, uh, oh, what the is Greek. That? The, the Greek. Theater, I was at yeah. the Greek on my birthday last year and I'm sitting in the crowd. There's a lot of stars there that night. You know, I saw that the GM for the Dodgers yelled over at him. He waved to me like he knew me. He doesn't know the fuck I am. <laughs> and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was wow. walking in front of me with, I believe what may have been his daughter or somebody. And I said to the girl with me, I said, you know, maybe we ought to ask Bobby if he wants to go up to the coconut grove and have a drink and talk about old times. <laughs> 
you know, as we all know, his father was killed at the Coconut Grove at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. And I got a death look from the girl I was with. And the guy next to me heard it and thought I was an asshole. And I am an asshole for saying that. And I apologize. But, you know, me, I... I, I you, you always take the dark side of things. And that was dark. And I'm probably, <laughs> there's a good chance I'm only, I might not even wake up tomorrow after saying that <laughs> to the big audience. And I know some of you out there are probably laughing. Some of you out there probably think I'm the biggest asshole in the world. And which I, you know, for saying that, yeah. And, and I, when I look back on it, it was a bad thing to say, but it was pretty fucking funny though. <laughs> you always take the dark side of things and try to spin them up. You have a dark sense of humor, and that's definitely a, yeah, that's a Bill Barnes joke for sure. Was there a second date after after that? With the joke? Well, I had known her for years, oh, okay. and, and yeah, she knew what a fucked up asshole I am. So that was part of the prerequisite of going out with me. She she knew. So oh um, man. Anyway, she just looked at me, shook her head like, "You are so bad." <laughs> oh, so. oh man, well you got a lot of catching up to do. There's some good shows that I I got to catch up on too with Prime. Uh, again, it's just a whole nother library. You know, getting back to the Kennedy thing. Oh, yeah. he, <laughs> the night he was shot, he didn't have any security. He had one security guard and that was Rosie Greer, the former uh, Ram yeah. tackle who wrestled the gun out of Sirhan Sirhan's hand. He had one security guy. He declined secret service protection. It was the craziest thing. Um, and, and, you know, he knew he had a fear that he was a target because of what had happened to his brother five years later, earlier. So I couldn't understand why he didn't have protection. LAPD wasn't even there. He had a bunch of, you know, um, assistants walking him through the kitchen that wasn't cleared, that wasn't, I mean, things have changed so much in the last 52 years about security yeah. and dignitary protection. It's not even funny. I mean, that was a complete, utter shit show for him to go through. Did, did he just not trust the Secret Service after what happened to his brother? Was, do you think that had something to do with it? It could have been. It could have been. The fact that I guess all those guys got gorked out of their minds drunk the night before JFK got shot. I guess they were all hung over, the yeah. word is. Yeah, you that's know, and, and, uh, so, But again, that's, that's how they roll. Yeah. Those guys are partiers. Man. Just another day, really. Yeah, you that's know. how they roll. I mean, and, and that, that particular instance, it, it happened on their watch and it bit them in the ass. So that could have played into to young Bobby's um, thinking of, of not wanting protection. And then I guess they played the tape of when he, when someone called LAPD to report it, um, you had some crass Jerry Aldini type uh, guy taking the call and he, he answered Los Angeles police. And they, well, there's been a shooting at the, um, <laughs> the uh, ambassador. Okay, who got shot? Uh, you know, uh, well, Mr. Kennedy's here. Oh, really? Oh, big deal. <laughs> the guy says that. He says it on yes. the air. I mean, wow. listen, if you pull the tape, I couldn't believe it. Oh, my I thought, goodness. holy smokes, I'm thinking my buddy Aldini wasn't even born then. But <laughs> maybe some distant relative of his is working the radio room that night in, uh, you know, in that division. And... I'm thinking, holy cow, man. I, I don't want to make light of uh, And I'm not trying to make light of this, but, but it's been 52 years. But yeah, again, come on, turn the page, know, we guys. Can't, but, you know, we can't turn back time and, 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 and do anything about it. But it's just like, wow. That is there. There's some true irony there, though, that uh, you say you don't want security. Or did, did he say no to the L.A. police as well? I don't know. Okay. I well. don't know. I know that they responded um, 
you know, when they had to, they weren't there walking him through. I, I saw no uniformed police of any type uh, escorting him anywhere during that um, that uh, rally down at down at the uh, Coconut Grove area there, the Ambassador Hotel, which I guess has been torn down now for years. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, that so, that's weird. This all starts with my dark yeah humor there. your dark humor, unbelievable. I would think if uh, you know. Uh, your your brother was killed as the president that you would want extra security almost but i know he was or hire your own thugs anything you know get a, you know get uh, get a social worker like uh, you know yeah. an armed social unarmed social worker there or something go. i don't know uh one of these de- defund police uh but but if warriors to the listeners out there if you want to watch an interesting uh, i think it's a 5 6 parter just watch that you know it'll it'll add some real insight into what um, you know, young Mr. Kennedy was all about, you know, that's back when Democrats were, they cared about the working people. They're not a bunch of, uh, terrorists like they are now. <laughs> you know, I could say this 52 years ago, Democrats were pretty good people and, uh, they've just completely disintegrated into the likes of the Adam Schiff's and the Nancy Pelosi's and all these, uh, you know, well, Ronald Reagan he used to be a Democrat, and he? then he became a Republican. Yeah, they, yeah. the party Thank didn't God. leave him. He or he didn't leave the party. The party left yeah, him. So, exactly. oh man, well we, that's definitely a, a subject for uh, next week's show. Well, Bill, I hope you get to some some great videos here. Uh, Prime's got a lot of stuff, and now that we're going to be locked down with for who knows how long, uh, you know, you're going to have to really take your time on when to put an umbrella in your drink and just go through another one series at a time. There's a lot of good stuff on there. So we'll have to share some ideas on what to be watching. So, uh, yeah, they have stuff coming out every day because yeah. you know, they're the only game in town now. So, um, we'll see even old movies. There's old shows or, yeah. or a case like that. So I got to check that out. I love, I love history and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, stuff that really happened or portrayals of it and stuff. So, well, Bill, thank you for having me back in your home. Uh, especially here on the lockdown, uh, California edition, but, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this once again. And, uh, you know, we'll do it again next week. I'm it sure ke- it keeps me sane. It keeps me, uh, <laughs> it keeps me from, uh, you know, going out and yelling and screaming in the middle of the night, you know, so it's, it's all good. Thank uh, you. Oh, you got it, man. Well, we'll do it soon and uh, talk to you. Once again, another thank you to Bill Barnes, not just for coming on the program today, but for also being there on Sunday to help uh, be there for that uh, woman who was contemplating suicide. You're a hero, Bill Barnes, whether you want to hear that or not, really appreciate uh, your service to society, the upstanding citizen that you are. And thank you for coming on the program and sharing some of your thoughts on here on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. We look forward to chatting with you next week. Well, tomorrow, guys, we will be joined by Rod Heaton. Yes, Bill, a Rio Hondo Prep graduate, the one and only Rio Hondo Prep graduate we're having on the program this week. Rod Heaton actually coached me when I was a fourth grader. He taught at Rio Hondo Prep in the junior high department for a long time. He is an incredible artist. Uh, he does has done some drawings and paintings. Uh, he is a football legend at Rio. Uh, I I couldn't say enough about him. He had a big impact on my life just for a short year even uh, in getting me to Real Hondo Prep. I'll tell that whole story tomorrow. You guys will really enjoy the interview with Rod Keaton. He is now uh, extremely passionate about uh, his ministry and and discussing, uh, you know, becoming a better person 
uh, becoming a better follower of God. He is very passionate about speaking in church, about uh, talking with couples and marriage counseling. He's done a couple different things that I know he's doing the Lord's work. Bill and I use that term uh, loosely here and there at times, but Mr. Heaton really is. He's doing the Lord's work. He is passionate about uh, educating uh, the young, the old, everyone in, who wants to listen about uh, you know Jesus Christ and uh, our Savior, and he's extremely uh, passionate about it. I can't say it enough. I've said that a few times now, but uh, looking forward to you guys hearing the interview with him tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. Be sure to tune in and join us with our Thursday episode of Get Home Safe with Rod Heaton. Well, guys, as always, you can follow the Get Home Safe podcast through our various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. Another feature that I continue to plug, and I'm sorry if you're tired of hearing it, is if you'd like to leave a voice message for us, you can do so through the Anchor app, whether it's on the laptop or on the phone. If you have the Anchor app or the de- or the uh, website, however you want to do it, go to Anchor, go to our podcast. Get Home Safe podcast, and you can leave a voice message for us. It's a turquoise uh, green, greenish button that says messages. Click on that. Leave a 10 second, 30 second uh, clip, whatever you want to do. Ask a question. Give a suggestion for some content. Give your two cents. Whatever you want to do, it's uh, it's a way for people to be included in the program here if they don't want to do an official interview or if they've done an interview before and you just want to get involved you can do that i can then uh, answer your question or give my rebuttal to your comment however you want to however whatever you want to do uh, we can have that on our show so it's like kind of like a caller show it's guests calling in although we don't have that capability because we don't do it live but it's an opportunity for you guys if you want to do that if, if you don't want to do that, then, of course, you can contact us through our various social media platforms or our email address. Reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Thank you to those who have listened on any platform. We are, operate through Anchor App, as you're well aware. They make it easy for guys like me to put content out with the simple push of a button and a couple easy steps. Really appreciate Anchor for uh, being there for us every step of the way. But wherever you listen to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, many other platforms, we appreciate your listenership. Like I said, we are approaching 5,000 plays. Should be there uh, by the time this weekend, at least I hope. So we shall see what happens. But guys, let's get through another fun week. We're almost, uh, well, we are halfway through July, basically, and we're rolling right along. So let's get through this month, get to August, see what happens with sports. I'm a little excited, a little curious, a little, uh, I don't know, a little bit of everything. Uh, uh, it should be an interesting uh, upcoming month uh, after you know this uh, very controversial first six months of the year. So hopefully uh, good things on the horizon. We shall see what happens. But guys, whatever you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.